I want to talk to you today about amazing grace, amazing grace. I think there are a lot of things that are amazing. I was preaching for a pastor friend of mine in Missouri a couple of years ago, and him and his wife took Tiffany and I out to eat, and he ordered some sushi. And I ate sushi, and as I ate that sushi, I thought, this stuff is amazing. I, I really like sushi. I think sushi is amazing. I don't know if it's more amazing than neck bones, collard greens, yams, black-eyed peas, and some Jiffy cornbread. I'm about to preach up in here today. I don't know if it's as good as some neck bones, but I do think sushi is amazing. I, I think everybody here in Oklahoma City, some of my friends connecting around the world, you may not agree with me on this, but I think everybody in the house can agree that I think our Oklahoma City Thunder are pretty amazing. Come on, Thunder up. I, I think our Oklahoma City Thunder are pretty amazing. I, I used to think that the Dallas Cowboys were amazing. Used to, back when they had Emmitt Smith and... And Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin, I used to think they were amazing. Today, I think they are, I'll save my comments. I think that my wife thinks that I'm amazing. <laughs> just playing. My, my wife is amazing. My wife is amazing. She's not just amazing. She is uh, U-H, uh, amazing. I love my wife. A lot of things you and I think are amazing. But the question is, what is so amazing about Grace. I mean, we've all heard the words before, amazing grace. Many of us have heard the song at least once in our life, amazing grace. But the question is, what is so amazing about grace? What's all the hype about this thing called grace? I want to unpack that with you today, and I want to share with you three faults, three faults about what's so amazing about grace. Point number one is this. Grace is amazing because grace can't be earned. It can't be earned. What I want to do with you today is unpack Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. We're going to learn and unpack those verses together. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved. That word saved is talking about being made right with God or your sins are forgiven or you get to go to heaven. It's by grace you've been saved, been made right with God through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. For it is by grace you have been saved. What in the world is grace? Let me explain that to you. Grace, it is God's unmerited or undeserved favor. I like the acronym that gives a great definition of grace the acronym, you take the letter G and it's God's and the letter R and it's riches, the letter A and it's at, the letter C and it's Christ and the letter E is expense. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. I think my favorite definition of all times about grace is this. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. That's what grace is, is getting what you don't deserve. Listen, everything that Jesus earned by his death, burial, and resurrection, we get to share in as if we earned it, as if we deserved it. You see, grace doesn't give me the blessings I deserve. Grace gives me the blessings Jesus deserves. 
And that's what's so amazing about grace. It's amazing because we don't get what we deserve. We get what we don't deserve because Jesus died and rose again. Let me unpack this whole thing. Grace can't be earned. Grace can't be earned. Grace is so amazing because it's a gift from God. It can't be earned. It's a gift from God. Notice what it says in Ephesians 2.8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It is the gift. Everybody shout the gift. I want you to catch that there. Let that sink into your heart. It's the gift of God. Salvation is truly a work of grace because 100% of salvation is a gift from God. You see, over 2,000 years ago, humanity was trapped in sin. God the Father looked down from heaven and he saw humanity in this pitiful, horrible condition. And so God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into the earth. And Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. And then he rose again on the third day. Not because we were worthy, not because we deserved it or earned it, because that is far from the truth. Matter of fact, the Bible says we were enemies of God. And while we were yet enemies of God, God sent the gift, the best gift of all, his son, Jesus Christ, he came because of amazing grace. Now, on top of that, the Bible says in John chapter 6 and verse number 44, it says not only did God send the gift of his son, but he sent the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in John six forty-four that the Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus. You see, friends, you can't give your life to Jesus unless the Holy Spirit draws you. But the, but, but the Bible says God sent the Holy Spirit because salvation is 100% a gift, every single bit of it. And so God sent the Holy Spirit, and he's drawing all of humanity to Jesus. He is convicting humanity, wooing humanity. He is drawing, compelling humanity to give their life to Jesus. I realize some of you came on this Easter Sunday. You're watching me online right now around the world and you think that you're pursuing God but I want you to know that God has been pursuing you the Holy Spirit is drawing you to Jesus and then the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 3 that God has given every man every woman the measure of faith the measure of faith. Check this out. Not only did God give us the gift of his son, then he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit to draw us to Jesus and then God gives us a measure of faith that we can have the ability to trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. None of it comes from ourselves. God gives us the measure of faith that we will have the faith to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. You see, what I want you to understand is that grace is so amazing because every single part of it is the gift from God. Jesus sent, God sent Jesus, he sent the Holy Spirit, then he gave us the faith to be able to believe upon Jesus. Friends, that is what you call amazing grace. It cannot be earned. Here's a, here's a third thought regarding grace can't be earned. Grace can't be earned. And that is this. Grace is so amazing because you can't do anything. Everybody shout anything. I really want that to sink in. You can't do anything to earn it. It says this in Ephesians chapter 2, the very next verse, verse 9. It says, not by works. In other words, salvation is not by works so that no one can boast. You can't earn heaven. You can't earn salvation. And that's tough 
for many people to wrap their mind around. You see, we live in a culture where we're programmed to work. We like to work. It's a value of ours to work. Most of us live by the motto that says anything worth having is worth working for. And we, we like to work. I mean, this starts out, it's just kind of innate in us as kids that we want to work. We want to work for our parents' affection. We want to work to get their attention. We want to work to try to, try to earn their love. We, we want to work. Even my kids, uh, it's just natural in them. This happened yesterday. We had a little Easter egg hunt around our home with our kids, and they were looking for Easter eggs across the, the house. And, and, and one of my kids, as we were sitting in the living room, began to dance. He started dancing. And he saw me looking at him, but Tiffany wasn't. And he said, Mom, Mom, look. And he was dancing, and Tiffany didn't, she didn't hear him. She didn't see him. And he, he said, Mom, look. And, and Tiffany was distracted. If you're new with us today, my wife and I, we have four kids, eight and under. It's easy to get distracted up in our house. You see what I'm saying? And so she was distracted. And, and so I said, hey, Tiffany, Tiffany, he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to get your attention. And Tiffany looked over, and boy, he started really going and then while he was dancing, you know what happened? One of my other kids thought, oh, oh yo, you're trying to get mama's attention. And, and my other kid, one of my other kids started dancing. Hey. In my house, they do the potty dance. My kids go, the potty dance, the potty dance. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they're trying to work for our attention. They're trying to work to, to get our affection. It starts, and it's really little. I mean, we, we work when we're kids, you know, do your chores Clean your room up. We work. We work. Make your bed. Brush your teeth three times a day. Who still does that three times a day? Brush your teeth three times a day. I mean, we, we work. How many of you grew up in a house like, like it, I did? We didn't have a dishwasher. I was the dishwasher. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We work, work, work. Then you go off to school, and the whole system is set up around work. Earn it. Work. So the system is set up. You get an A or B, a C, a D, or an F. Some of you didn't know A was even part of the equation, did you, huh? Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. You work. You work. You go off to college, and it's the same system. It's a system that you work. You have to earn this grade. You work. And then, man, you want this girl to like you. You want her to be your girlfriend. So you work to make her like you. Put some smell good on. Try, act nice. She works to try to get the guy to like her, and they're working. And then, then you graduate from college, or you graduate from high school, and then you work to get a job. And then when you get the job, you work to try to get a promotion. You work to try to get a raise. And, man, now you're working to try to get married, man. You want to try to work to earn her love to make her want to marry you. You're working to try to earn his love to make him want to marry you. Then you get married. You work to get married. After you get married, you work to stay married. Hello, work. Work. It's work. And now you're married. Now you work to have kids. How many men in the house say, Pastor, that's good work? Come on. Glory to God. Glory to God. You work to have kids. Then once you have kids, you got to work to raise the kids. Now you're working to get some retirement so you can retire. You work. You spend your entire life working. And how many of you are like me? When somebody tells you something, they're going to give you something for free. You get suspicious. Free. You're like, what's the catch? What you really want? What's your motives? There's nothing free in life. There's nothing free. Even when you go to the grocery store and they give you those free food samples, it's not free. 
They're trying, they're trying to make you eat that so you like it, so you go spend your money. Uh, they got some motives, some ulterior motives why you're going to get this little bite for free. Like, what's your motives? And all of a sudden, God shows up and he says, listen, humanity, you're messed up and salvation is free. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You're like, what's the catch? Anything worth having is worth working for. What's the catch? What's your real motives? What do you really want, God? And God said, my only catch is, I love you. I love you. Salvation is free. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. That's why it's amazing grace. You don't deserve it. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. And matter of fact, when Jesus Christ was hung on the cross of Calvary, they nailed nails in his hands and nails in his feet. They put a spear in his side, a crown of thorns on his head. They picked his beard. They spat upon him. They beat him. And Jesus, as he was breathing his last breath, as he was carrying the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders he was breathing his last breath and he said these words it is finished and when Jesus said those words church he meant it it's finished I paid the price for your sins you can't do anything to earn it you can't work for it the only thing you can do is receive it you see friends that is amazing grace there's a second thing that I want you to see. And number two is this, that grace is for everybody. That's what's so amazing about grace. It's for everybody. The Bible says in Romans 10, verse 13, for everyone, come on, shout everyone, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Grace is so amazing because it's for everyone. You see, back in the scripture, Ephesians 2, 8, for, for when it talks about you're not you can be saved only by by grace of God and friends you can only be saved by the grace of God and that you you know what that means it's talking about everybody everybody who believes upon the Lord Jesus Christ is for it's by grace you you have been saved it's for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord I'm assuming many of you have felt like me yeah yeah pastor I believe that grace is for everybody except me because I've messed up too much. I've blown it. I've sinned. I felt those thoughts. I felt those thoughts. I felt those feelings. If you're new with us today, new watching online, you may have some misconceptions about me. You say, well, there's that preacher. He's always been living for God. Well, that's just not the case. When I was in high school, I blew it big time. I engaged in sex outside of marriage. I did things that I'm ashamed of. I pumped my mind full of junk and listening to all types of filthy music, pumping my mind full of pornography, looking at wrong things. There was a grocery store, a little, little convenience store that was right across the street from our home. I used to go over to that convenience store and steal bubble gum, three-cent bubble gum. That's back when bubble gum cost three cents, and steal bubble gum. And sometimes, you know, if I got to be real honest with you, sometimes I used to go steal whatchamacallits. Yeah, I'm just trying to be honest with be trying to be real with you. Watch I didn't want no bubble gum. I wanted a candy bar. And I was still, I look, still, they can't. Yeah, I'm a thief. Just take those candy bars. And I felt feelings like, yeah, grace is for everybody, but not me. I've blown it too much. And some of you, you feel those same feelings today. 
you're watching me online, you're in this experience today, and you're thinking there's no way grace can be for me. I've messed up too much. I've blown it too much. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done this past week. You don't know how I've been living. But I'm glad the Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I'm a living witness that God's grace can step in the middle of somebody's messed up life and he can forgive and he can change and he can restore. And I'll never forget when the grace of God invaded my life my senior year in high school, not because I deserved it, but because of amazing grace. It is for everybody. And you know what Satan does? There's a real devil. There's a real adversary and he whispers, in our ear all the time yeah yeah grace for everybody but not for you and he condemns us look at you you nasty you filthy you ought to be ashamed of yourself and the devil condemns us to drive us away from Jesus but the Holy Spirit convicts us to draw us to Jesus and some of you right you know you feel condemnation that's not God that's the devil and God is drawing you to himself because Jesus paid the price that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, no matter what you've done, who you are, will be saved. That, my friends, is amazing grace. I want you to see a third thing, a third thing about amazing grace and why it's so amazing. And number three is this. Grace is shocking. It's amazing because it's shocking. One of the things that I have always enjoyed is sports. When I grew up as a little kid, I played sports. I played little league t-ball and soccer and little league baseball. Got to junior high and I played football and basketball, ran track, lifted weights, played baseball. Got into high school, I played all the same sports. Went off to college and played some college football. I've just always enjoyed sports, still really love sports today. And you know what? Some of the most shocking things happen at sporting events. Let me give you an example. Last year in the 2011 college football season, Wisconsin was playing Michigan State. And Wisconsin was undefeated 6-0, ranked number 6th in the nation. And they were, they were in the hunt for the national championship. And they were playing Michigan State, who was ranked number 16 in the nation. They were 5-1. and one. This was a big-time college football game. With BCS, some of you know what that is, implications online, national championship, uh, hunt and pitcher in, 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 in focus for these teams. And it was a great game. And it came down to the very last play of the game, a Hail Mary pass. I love those kind of games, nail biters down to the very end, Hail Mary pass. You're just like, what's going to happen? I love those kind of games. Matter of fact, let me show you the last play of the Wisconsin-Michigan State game. Check out this clip. Three-man rush. Cousins. On the last play of regulation. Chucks it to the end zone. Caught. Michigan State's caught it. On a rebound. Tuck. Hold on. It is just short of the end zone. Ball was caught by Keith Nickel. Take a look. Abradaris gets in the air and gets a hand on it. Nickel is right in the front. It comes right into his hands. Does the ball cross the plane? Taylor is fighting like crazy to prevent it from breaking the plane. Boy, it, it was really close. Michigan State, the ruling on the field was no touchdown. And Michigan State now has the possibility of losing this game because the ruling on the field. And some of you know those same feelings. 
Because the ruling on the field in your life is you've lost. You've lost. Look at how you're living. You're addicted to drugs or alcohol or pornography. You're lying. You're cheating. You're having an affair. You're engaging in sex outside the context and confines of marriage. Your heart is full of bitterness. You're harboring unforgiveness in your heart. You have an anger problem. And, and the ruling on the field is you, you have lost, you get hell, you're condemned, you're going to spend eternity in hell, the ruling on the field. And the interesting thing about college football is in 2004-2005 time frame, they instituted what's now called instant replay. And what instant replay is, is that if there's a controversial call on the field, it goes upstairs to the replay guy. It goes upstairs to the, to the judge, to the head referee, to, and, he, and he reviews the play. And he calls back down to the head referee down on the field, and he informs the referee of the verdict. And he tells the referee one of two things. After further review, the ruling on the field stands. Or he tells the referee after further review, the ruling on the field has been overturned. And in the Michigan State game, it came down to instant replay to decide the ball game. And I want you to see the rest of this story here with the Michigan State-Wisconsin game. Check out this clip. Abradaris gets up in the air. The ball goes off of Sims and Cunningham. Nickel is right there. And Taylor's doing everything he can to keep the ball away from breaking the plane. So instant replay will decide it. Remember, the call on the field is no touchdown. Indisputable to turn this over. Remember that as Nickel was battling and Taylor had him wrapped up. After further review, the runner did cross the line and go on touchdown. Michigan State with a miracle ending. Michigan State, the ruling on the field, no touchdown, possibility, we're going to lose this game. We're going to be losers, and the ruling goes upstairs, and the ruling on the field was overturned. Now they're winning, they're celebrating, we have won the game because the judge upstairs said the ruling on the field has been overturned, and that's what Easter is all about, is that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, and as he was laying in that borrowed tomb for three days, the the devil and his demons, they were throwing a party because the ruling on the field is the Son of God has been defeated. The Son of God has lost. The devil and his demons are throwing a party. We have won. Humanity has been condemned to hell. Humanity has no hope because the ruling on the field is the Son of God is dead. But can I tell you that the play, it went upstairs for further review. And God the Father, he checked out the play. And on the third day, he told the devil, devil, the ruling on the field has been overturned. And on the third day, Jesus got up with all power in his hands. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He stands victorious today because the ruling on the field has been overturned. He's alive. After further review.
He got up on the third day. And I'll tell you, some of you in this place today, the ruling on the field is you get hell. The ruling on the field is you're trapped in sin. The ruling on the field is you're lost. The ruling on the field is there's no hope. But I want you to know today, because Jesus Christ is alive and well, if you'll just receive the free gift of salvation, the ruling on the field will be overturned in your life. You'll no longer get hell. You'll get heaven. You'll no longer be a sinner. You'll be a saint. You'll no longer walk around with chains. They'll be broken today because Jesus Christ got up on the third day with all power in his hands and the ruling on the field has been overturned. Grace is shocking. It's shocking. I close with two scriptures. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 9, for I am the least of the apostles, Paul says, and do not deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Paul killed Christians. He threw them in prison. He tortured them. But in verse 10, Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. You see, the ruling on the field was Paul was a murderer and a killer of Christians. But when grace entered in, the ruling on the field was overturned. And he went from being a killer of Christians to a preacher of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, grace is shocking. It can take a killer and turn them into a preacher. It can take somebody addicted to drugs and make them addicted to Jesus. It can take a sinner and turn them into a, into a, a saint because grace is shocking. I am what I am by the grace of God. It's shocking what grace can do in your life. I close with James chapter 4 and verse number 6. But he, talking about God, but he gives, gives us more grace. How? That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Friends, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Grace is shocking because no matter how many times you've blown it, there's always more grace. And some of you would say, Pastor, I've blown it a million times, a billion times. There's no hope for me. I want you to know grace is so shocking because there's always more grace. How do I see more grace, Pastor? How do I receive it? The Bible says God opposes the proud. I don't need you, God. I can make it on my own. I can live life on my own. I'll make it to heaven on my own. I'll get right with God on my own. I don't need you, God. God opposes proud people. But he gives grace to the humble. Humble people say, God, I need to receive this free gift. God, I got to depend on you. God, I need you in my life. I can't change me. I need you. And when people humble themselves before God, the Bible says God gives grace to the humble. You may have blown it a million times, but friends, can I tell you, grace is shocking. There's always more grace. And friends, that is what's so amazing about grace.